I'm excited to have a new podcast sponsor this week. Welcome MindSize to the Matt Report sponsorship family. You can find them at MindSize.com. They're a full-service digital agency with a focus on WordPress plus WooCommerce. But the fun doesn't stop there because they can help with strategy and other technologies like Shopify or even be your white label agency solution. MindSize, well, they do it all. And hey, if you're listening to this and you're a WordPress consultant in over your head, my God, I've been there, on a really large WooCommerce site, or you're some direct-to-consumer brand that managed to get through the holiday season on duct tape and a web host that said, go and ask your developer, well, now you can. You can ask MindSize. They have a fully featured audit for WooCommerce sites, to analyze your web hosting infrastructure, your WordPress code, and even run reports through New Relic and tools to make data-driven decisions. Stop the guesswork. Blow your e-commerce mind with MindSize Site Performance Audit. Get it today at MindSize.com. MindSize.com. Thanks for supporting the show. Paid Memberships Pro is back at it again. Find PMP at paidmembershipspro.com. It's the most complete WordPress membership plugin in the business. Don't take my word for it. Go to paidmembershipspro.com and look at the customer showcase right on the homepage. Hey, here's an idea. Do you want to start a business in 2021? Grab WordPress. That's free. Install Paid Memberships Pro. That's free. Use three of their free amazing add-ons like MailChimp, which is also free to build that email list. WooCommerce, also free to sell a digital good or a service. And then Zapier, also free to pipe your automations around the web. It's amazing. It's paidmembershipspro.com. Get it at paidmembershipspro.com. Paidmembershipspro.com. Thanks for supporting the show. Entrepreneur. A term that has lost its potency over the years is finding its way back home in today's story. There are those of us that start businesses out of the desire to control our own destiny, but then grapple with the inability to see the forest through the trees. See, every reason why we started a business to begin with, freedom, choice, creativity, become the very anchors that hold us back. Great entrepreneurs know that in order for an idea to flourish and make deep roots in the world, she needs to decouple herself from the ownership of it all. When Miriam, today's guest, raised $6.5 million in a Series A venture capital round, of which includes Automatic. For Stratic, her new hosting company, she wanted to build something great. Two challenges lie ahead. One, to make the decision to wind down a thriving WordPress services agency. And two, go get that money to watch her idea come to life and grow beyond just a side project. Join me in welcoming Miriam Schwab as we explore the hyper-competitive landscape of managed hosting through the lens of a static WordPress solution platform. If you ask my kids, they're like, our mother spends a lot of time on video calls. That's my day job. But <laughs> my day job is actually co-founder and CEO of Stratic. And Stratic is a kind of a radical new approach to WordPress hosting and deployment in that we host WordPress websites in a very different way and publish them to a different architecture, which is known as static or headless or Jamstack. And we do that in one click. So our users can feel comfortable using WordPress as usual, and then they get the most modern output that they could possibly get, which is fast, secure, reliable, scalable, et cetera. 
You know, the and you just kick. I'm going to go right off the script. We've had our, our pre-interview. We've got some notes to talk about things today, like transitioning from services to, to hosting, raising money, right? Like what you've done with Stratic and all these other fun things. But you mentioned Jamstack. I, I did a piece a little while ago when Matt Mullenweg was sort of famously sparring with, I can't remember the gentleman's the name, Matt. but sort of, I, his name yeah, is, also is, Matt. is his name's Matt? All right. So let's <laughs> yeah. just, just a lot of Matt's here about Jamstack, right? Obviously, I, I take to the, the side of WordPress on this stuff. The Jamstack stack stuff interesting space like the way that i look at it is is like there's 15 different services to do something to do one thing which is like cash a wordpress website am i just breaking that down to something that's way too basic i totally get where you're coming from because i actually just gave a talk on thursday at a conference called the jam.dev which was a Jamstack uh, conference and i i think i was the only like representative of like wordpress for real as in i'm all in on wordpress and one slide was showed like a spaghetti tanglement of wires. And I said, this is what it's like to build a Jamstack site because you've got WordPress, which does a lot of things that we just take for granted, like user management and previewing drafts and I don't know, uh, draft, draft, yeah, having a draft version of a page and then a published version of a page and categories and tags, all these things that are just built in. And then when you build a Jamstack site, you're like essentially doing everything from scratch. And you also have to kind of tape together a lot of different tooling. So on the one hand, people look at all this tooling and they're like, yay, I'm like a kid in a candy shop. I have so many things to choose from. It's so fun and exciting. But then on the other hand, it means that you, A, have to like learn all this tooling to choose the best one. And B, it means that every site is so unique that it's very hard to hand it off to other people. Like with a WordPress site, WordPress, yeah, you can have very, very different implementations of WordPress. In the end, there's like a lot of commonalities that you can then use to to identify what's going on in a site. But with the Jamstack site, it's literally different for every single one. And I was speaking to someone from an agency that builds Jamstack sites, and they were saying that there's if there's something that's failing in a Jamstack site, because it's kind of this patched together, not mess, but like composition of different services, it's sometimes hard to identify which one is causing the failure. It's it's hard to, to find it in the, in the piles of stuff. So yes, what you're saying is there's definitely um, truth to that. And I see what you're saying. But yeah. on the other <laughs> hand, yeah, so there's that. On the other hand, I think that that a sparring match that Matt and Matt had, they were, they were both sides were missing something a particular perspective for some reason, which was, is that WordPress and Jamstack are not mutually exclusive to each other. They can definitely live together in peace and harmony and complement each other. So I'll use Stratic as an example, because I know it the best. And this is also the thinking behind it. On Stratic, you use WordPress as usual, and you get all the power and comfort and, you know, usability of WordPress and all of the extensibility, right? There's so many plugins and this and that. And then you click a button and you get a Jamstack version of that site. So you don't have to have this like spaghetti tanglement of, of tooling. And it truly is where WordPress and Jamstack are living together in peace and harmony. Another example of that is if someone builds out a headless WordPress implementation. So in, when, when companies, organizations are looking to implement WordPress in, in the headless version, it's because they want to use WordPress because they're comfortable with the WYSIWYG editor and the whole editing experience there. But they want uh, 
a front end that's separate from it for various reasons for the speed, security, and scalability that that Stratic offers, but also for different reasons. Like they want the content to be more uh, flexible in terms of where it's being published to and and received. So, so those are just two examples of how Jamstack and WordPress can live together. And I and I actually in my talk on Thursday, I ended off, but my talk was called uh, "The Future of WordPress's Jamstack." And I was like, what, you know, people are like, what, how could that be? WordPress and Jamstack seem like the opposite, especially with Matt and Matt kind of communicating that. And I said, not only are they not opposite, in the end, I said, I think the future of Jamstack is is WordPress, meaning WordPress is going to play a huge role in this Jamstack trend because no matter what all these newfangled tools are telling us about, oh, WordPress is a monolith and that's evil, as if that's evil, for goodness sake. It's not. It's it's got a lot of benefits. (laughs) But also it's been around for so long. It does content management so well. It's not going anywhere, people, and people keep yeah. coming back to it. Right. That's the sort of game board path that I like to to illustrate is, you know, we, we start off with WordPress. We love it. It's amazing. You know, you roll the dice, you keep moving around the game board. And before you know it, you start trying something else and you're like, hey, check out this other, you know, hot topic CMS that you have to put together yourself. I want to close that chapter of the discussion because there's so much more about this, this journey of you building Stratic. Like, like much like you, I had started an agency and you know tried uh, so hard to get into uh, into product and a very difficult path. A lot of agencies start out servicing clients, building up their portfolio of business, streamlining it, uh, systemizing it, getting it really good, and then then sometimes we look over at the across the fence and we go, oh boy. I'd love to build a product so I don't have to talk to all these clients. You went a different route. You went and built a hosting company of all things. Why did you make that transition specifically? The transition was actually kind of related to our this last conversation that we just had about coming back to WordPress, which is I in my agency we were I. I, we were building websites for like 12 years, high level, you know, customized websites for, for companies and organizations on WordPress. And I started to feel like maybe I wasn't being responsible to our clients if we kept on using WordPress, because um, at that point, WordPress was starting to get a really bad reputation with the security issues and the performance issues and developers were clearly not loving WordPress. And so, you know, they were using other tooling and to to recruit or partner with good developers was becoming harder and harder. And they definitely influence where technology goes. So I started looking into other options and discovered this world of Jamstack. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is like the best thing ever. It's everything that WordPress isn't. It's so fast out of the box and it's, you can't hack anything. There's nothing that you have to keep patching and securing and it scales for traffic effortlessly. I was like, I want that. And then I started looking into how you build those sites. And like you, I saw not only the command line in terms of getting started, but I realized that our customers, like our clients who are the end users, who are the daily managers of content on the sites would not be able to use this fancy schmancy Jamstack tooling because it's definitely geared towards developers on every level, um, including content management, and not towards the business people or the marketers who actually manage the content on the site. So I came back to WordPress and, and my thinking was, okay, WordPress is still the best CMS out there. Phew. For me, it was like a relief. <laughs> I was like, great, because uh, this is, you know, this was like a relief to me because it really, I really do think it has so many strengths. And so apparently it does the market and it keeps growing. 
So WordPress is the best CMS, but it has these major pain points that are going to keep working against it. Like there's no question and we can't deny it and we can't pretend they're not there. And we also need to keep developers excited about WordPress, whereas they're generally running away from it um, because they can't stand it. So I thought, why not bridge these two worlds and turn WordPress into a static site generator? And then you get to retain the benefits of WordPress and then get the benefits of the modern stack. I The reason I went with that was because of my own kind of journey of discovery. And I was completely convinced that the world needed this. Like there, to me, there was like no question that this was something that the world needed. It The world didn't have it at that time. The world needed it. And I had to, I had to somehow make it happen. So that, so I see, I know it's a hosting company, but we're a very different approach to hosting. We do a lot of kind of magical, cool things along the way while we're deploying the static version of the site and just deploying the static version of the site in and of itself is not an easy feat. And we've accomplished that in a very efficient user-friendly way. And we have a lot of plans going forward. So this is the product that I, I fell into through my own experiences and I actually, I think that's often the case when agency or agencies or service providers lean towards focusing on a product is to solve their own pain point. And by the way, that's totally legitimate. It's a, it's a compelling story for investors, for example, but also you're, if, when you're solving your own pain point, yeah, a data set of one, like I, I'm, I am, do not represent the world, but as an expert in the industry, right, I had been doing it for 12 years. I like I knew WordPress and web like inside and out by that point. I, I could make a pretty strong case to myself and then eventually to others that and then, of course, to our own users, which is the best proof of concept that the world needed it. And so so I started working on it. There, there's a lot of uh, mixed responses to scratch your own itch or build a product for yourself, that kind of thing that that I hear, and I'm sure you hear, and people listening to the show here around the various podcasts and blogs and things like that. And it, I don't think either camp is, is wrong. I think the, the luxury, if you can even say it in the agency space, is that we, while we're in it, like we're deeply invested in like the code and the WordPress and the technology. And then we have you know, a little lab of customers that we can actually test this stuff out on where I think maybe a lot of, or not a lot, but there's probably a big segment of bootstrappers getting into software who just don't have any customers at all. And and those are the ones that should be a little bit more cautious on scratch your own itch, maybe because they don't have a client list that they could just turn to and say, hmm, how about we experiment with this customer, right? Or how about we build this little test plugin and run on this customer site and, and see how it works or, you know, start transitioning these customers onto our own platform that we're building and we're already servicing them. So we know what their code is what their code is running so we can we can kind of try this a little bit easier what was that transition like logistically to say okay we'll cool down the services side of the business and then ramp up the hosting side of the business is it a fine balance do you still balance it to this day what was that like yeah so just with regards to scratching your own itch, I just want to qualify that by saying, start if you start with that, you then have to validate it. And one of the first books I read was is called The Lean Startup by Eric Ries, who actually ended up investing in Stratic. And the principle behind that is do small things that validate what you're doing. So, so I started off with my own itch, but then I set up a landing page. I started like participating in forums and different communities around this to see what people thought. And people would say things like, 
wow, that's so amazing. It would make WordPress something I want to use again. And wow, you know, one click static. This is so exciting. Also, there were detractors, of course, but there's always going to be detractors. But it was enough validation around people like signing up on the landing page and expressing interest and getting excited about it that that validated the point. In terms of transitioning from agency to product, that is a very tricky thing. I didn't have a laid out plan that I, you know, that I thought I was was going to work where I said, okay, for the next six months, I'm going to do both. And then around month six, I'm going to bring in someone to manage the agency. And then I'm going to eventually try to sell the agency. Okay. Not that I, <laughs> it's really hard to plan these things because, well, A, I had never done it before. And B, it's, I just, I didn't really know what I was aiming for. What I, so the way that it works for me was I started off by participating in a startup accelerator while I was still managing my previous agency. And as time went on, I shifted more and more of my time to Stratic and reduced my time in my agency. I had someone I was working with in my agency who had been working with me almost since the beginning. And so she knew everything about the agency. So she took on more and more of the business side of things, which I had been managing during this transition phase. And then I was incredibly fortunate that at the very right moment, and like a, a non-Israeli, my agency is Israeli, a non-Israeli agency said that they wanted to get a foot into the Israeli market and be able to be closer to targeting Israeli tech companies because they're actually really good WordPress customers and acquired my agency. So the reason that works out, that was that was a really good resolution for me was that, so first of all, I was able to kind of support myself for a while while I was working on Stratic through my agency's like, salary and income. And then as that phased out, this agency jumped in, took it over and that, and it wasn't a major exit or anything like that, but what it did was it was like a clean break. It's very hard to figure out, like we were providing maintenance services and we were in mid project and they were a perfect match. They totally, you know, they knew how to manage WordPress projects. They knew how to provide maintenance services. So they kind of like I stepped out, they stepped in, there was overlap, of course. And, and to this day, I, you know, I, I support them in whatever way I can. I'm so grateful to them and, and I want to see them succeed, but that, that really helped me transition out into Stratic. And then when what was the timeline of that, what was the, t- the timeline the time of that, line, like handoff and, and pairing up? I started working on Stratic in a concerted way, maybe around like in 2016, I participated in this, in the accelerators, maybe like 2017. Mm-hmm. And I think it took another year yeah. of this kind of limbo, which is, which mm-hmm. is really challenging. But Rebecca, who worked with me in the agency, she really took on a lot. And then once the acquisition happened, it was amazing because we were able to hire Rebecca over. to, And so we continue to work together. She's like one of the people who's been longest in my life. And I give her a lot of credit for <laughs> sticking with me. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, well, I mean, credit, so credit to you as well. I mean, you you were able to, you know, so a lot of people feel like, okay, like I, I just do this product thing or this, or maybe, I, you know, maybe somebody's listening to this, they're going to, they're going to launch a, a hosting company too. And they're just, they're just going to transition away from services. Number one, it, it, it takes time, but a testament to what you have built up. Well, many things, but a testament to what you had built up with your agency, probably with your own internal processes, because anybody interested in, in working with you would want to at least trust, you know, your work to trust your client base, to trust that they could kind of, you know, work through that. You had dedicated employees and, and probably almost feels like family at this point. So another testament. But another thing is you jumped into an accelerator. So you didn't go at it just blindly. And I think there's a lot of people who might skip those 
those types of um, milestones in their lives and maybe not even account for it to make you f- to feel good for a moment in time, right? <laughs> like there's a lot yeah. of effort built up in those little three or four milestones that kind of go under the radar, I think for a lot of people. So it is a, a pat yourself on the back moment. No question there, just patting yourself on the back really, <laughs> I think <laughs> Thank is, you. is in order. <laughs> um, might not have felt- it took me a long time to start celebrating my successes because there's a lot of pain along this yes. journey mm-hmm. and a lot of uncertainty. And by the way, also jumping into starting a product means like at certain points you're just like, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my bills? Like, for real. I just, I'm, I, I became, I don't know. I was just so sure that this is something that needed to happen, that I was like all in on it. And I would, and I just had faith that it would work out. I mean, it's not that simple, but that that's more or less how it went, but just about accelerators. When people ask me about starting a startup of some kind, or like they want to build out a business in a startup model, which generally means like you're aiming for a lot of growth, like quickly. I highly recommend joining accelerators. They seem fluffy and some people go, oh, what's the point? What's the value is it going to add? It helped me shift my mindset from a services-based business to a product-based business. And these accelerators give you access to really smart people in a lot of different fields, which means that instead of being like a team of one, which was what I was at the time, I was kind of a team of, I don't know, 10 or whatever, because if I had questions on building out a business model, they were like, oh, here, talk to this person and branding. Oh, here, talk to this person. And there's a lot of different facets that go into building a startup, like business model, branding, product, user experience, funding, and all of that stuff around that. And like, you're just like, oh my gosh, each one is a world in and of itself. And then they give you access to experts who, who help clarify things. And so you don't have to invent the wheel on your own. Uh, one of my last uh, couple episodes ago from the time that this airs was a lady named Amber Hines. She runs a, a co- product company called Equalize Digital. And she was transitioning when they were launching that product from her agency work. And she dialed back the agency work a little bit at Road Warrior Creative. And she looked at what what's it going to take my team to build this accessibility plugin. So she retail costed it of what, it, what she would charge if somebody came to her as a customer of this plugin. And she dialed back services and she went for a traditional business loan to get some funding. You took a different route. I don't want to speak out of school. What route did you go down to raise money to extend this runway it's not the the traditional business loan route i went the venture capital funding route right from the start why did i go that route one major reason i think is that being in israel it's a very tech driven startup oriented ecosystem and in my agency lumnea we had been working with a lot of these tech companies and it's just all around. And so that's the model that I, that appealed to me. I, I wanted, if I was going to do this, I wanted to do it big. Like I, and to do it big, you, you need to raise significant amounts of funding, mostly to build out your team. And also it seemed very exciting to me. I wanted to be part of that. And it just made sense, you know, when you're tackling a market that's as big as WordPress, it's, and this is one of the the things that I I, I think uh, the WordPress industry kind of is not so self aware about, which is it's so such a huge market with such high value that people who who approach it from that more kind of aggressive point of view, there's a lot to be won there as opposed to kind of growing incrementally. 
I'm not saying we, we haven't like been hyper growing for various reasons. Like what we do, we do in a very methodical way. We don't just throw money at stuff to make it happen or something like that. That never works in, in any business model. But yeah, I wanted to be part of that. And I just thought it made the most sense for, for my, for the vision of Stratic and, and also being part of the ecosystem me, means that I, I, and then we, when my partner, Josh Lawrence joined, we could, we could gain access to a lot of resources and, and mentors and advisors from the ecosystem who could help push us forward. So, so that's the route I went. It's non-traditional for WordPress. That's for sure. And also, by the way, that made it hard for us to a certain extent in terms of raising funding. We, at a certain point when we were pitching investors, we realized that our first slide in our deck has to be the WordPress ecosystem is really, really massive here's what it is. And also here are some giant corporations that use WordPress. And then the investors would be like, what? Really? I thought it was like cat blogs, like not, not that extent, but you know what I mean? And we'd be like, oh no, like Disney uses WordPress and I don't know, Forbes and this and that, and all these big name brands that we have in our, in our slide deck. And, and then that would like orient their thinking towards, okay, this is a really big market. WordPress in general, all of us, we need to realize it's a really big market. I'm not saying that everyone needs to go the startup route at all. It's not easy <laughs> at all. It's, and it's very painful in many ways. And it, of course, has risks. I think it's great for there to be awareness of both directions. Taking out a business loan in a smart way could be awesome. And then also what it means is that you own 100% of your shares or you and your, right. your partner. Whereas in the venture capital world, you're just generally being diluted. And people need to you know, be aware of that. For me, I see it as an opportunity to grow something really big. And yeah, I don't own 100% of it, but that's fine. I get to be part of or or one of the leaders of something that God willing can be quite big. I think there's like the 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 ethos of uh, WordPress or open source kind of lends itself to a lot of business leaders in this space where we're using WordPress because it's open source and we have some level of control over it. and so that that for sort of like transcends into our business where we're like, okay, we, we don't want other ownerships in this business either. Like, we, you know, the, we want to do this sort of grassroots bootstrapped. I worked at, at Pagely previously selling hosting. We'll talk about like the hosting market in a few. And, and Josh and Sally certainly led that way. And, and it's a fine, it's a fine approach. And they're very successful at it, right? Not taking funding, not going that route so that they don't have to split shares or whatever, or just like have so like lose control over their, over their company. Did you have a North star that you looked to before you went the VC route? Like, where did you get the inspiration? I mean, to do something big, was it just so you knew like, look, this is a tough space. I'm going to need these resources because it might take me six years to get to where I'm going. Whereas if I get some investment now, it might take me a year to get there. Did you have some inspiration or is there just another business you look to as personally and you say, this is, this is what I want to replicate. This is the kind of leader I want to be. Oh, that's a tough question. Cause there's like a lot of things that over many years, I think influence the direction that I went in with this. So first of all, with regards to investors and people not wanting to lose control, the world of investors has changed over the last five plus years in that investors don't come in to be like, you know nothing, I know everything, do this, do that. They they have realized that doesn't work well. And so they most investors who are, have any self-worth, which is I think a lot of them, they they work, they come in to collaborate and cooperate and guide or the the 
the founders rather than push and criticize and, and try to control because that, that just doesn't work. But people should like be aware that that's not how invest- the world of investors really works anymore. I'm obviously it's not across the board, but they, they work, they come in as partners. And by the way, I've been advising quite a few WordPress companies or providers who are shifting to product lately on their fundraising process. And I'm happy to do so. It's a, it's a funny application of the open source ethos. So in the past, I would, you know, I kept a blog running called WP Garage and I would write all of my learnings about WordPress. And so now I'm very happy to share my learnings about fundraising with uh, WordPress people from the community who are looking to go in that direction. So I've been doing that like kind of under the radar very happily. So just FYI to anyone who's listening and wants some advice, feel free to reach out. In terms of like inspiration, I I often like to do things differently than others. So I liked that in the WordPress space, the only entities that had raised funding in a serious way until that point was essentially, I mean, automatic. And I think WP Engine maybe. And it was something that wasn't yet done in, Word, in the world of WordPress. And I thought, I, I thought and I still think that WordPress deserves this type of approach for people who want it. And it makes sense. And so I wanted to do that. The funny thing is that when we announced our funding on TechCrunch, that that same day, by coincidence, Elementor also did. So we weren't the first ones to announce this type of funding. (laughs) It ended up as being the two of us on the same day. And at the end, which is also, they're also an Israeli, Israel-based company. So I think both of us, it's it's not like by accident that it's two Israeli companies that look to raise funding in this way. And I do think it's the general influence of the tech ecosystem here and the support. It's a very supportive ecosystem. Like seriously, I can reach out to someone I who's never met me and I don't know them, who's like a leader in the company, like an executive and be like, hey, so-and-so, I'd really love your advice on our, you know, next marketing project. Could you, could we have a call? And they'll in almost every case, say yes. That's how it is here. And I try to do the same for others. So it's a very much pay it forward uh, mentality. And and that's where you end up. It's just like, it's like, that's the way to do things. And so we do. (laughs) One of my, I guess I could say this. I don't even, I don't know if I'm speaking out of, out of line here, but one of my closest Israeli friends is Vova Feldman. Oh yes. And I've found, and, and he's taught me a fantastic lesson about the, Israeli culture. Look, I mean, it's you, you know probably what it's like to understand like American media and Americans in general. And I remember when he was first starting Freemius and he was just he would just come at me and be like, "Do you want to just this is when I was still selling a lot of plugins at the time and he's just like, "Let's get conductor on Freemius." <laughs> like there's there's no there there's not like there's no, "Hey man, let me put my arm around your shoulder. This is what an American would do." take you out to dinner, right? And do this thing. He just comes at me, goes, what, what are we doing? Let me get on your podcast and let me get, let me get conductor on my platform. I'm like, dude, I don't even know you. <laughs> right. And we became friends and he taught me so much about that culture is look, the, we, we might be demanding. We're just trying to get to the next step here. We're just trying to, let's just get this thing. No, no puffing things up, no yeah. softball questions. Let's just get it done. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's a very direct culture. No time or patience for like general fluffiness. It's like, and, and when you're in that culture, it doesn't come across as negative. So if someone is like, right. <laughs> it's like the other day we had a, we had a client, a customer who started onboarding to Stratic and then decided not to. And I wanted to know why. So I reached out, he was from an Israeli tech company. I reached out and I said, Hey, you know, I'd really love to understand why. And could we have a call? And he said, sure. So first of all, 
thank you to him for doing that. And then we get on the call and he's like, okay, these are all the problems that I encountered with your product. (laughs) And (laughs) I was so appreciative, just laid on straight. I don't want you to like, be like, you know, this, the sandwich, this was great, but this was not great. And this was great. You know, that's not the point of this call. Just tell me what it is. And, and then of course I learned, we learn a lot from that because I understand where things aren't clear. Cause a lot of the things that he thought he was experiencing, there were, there were solutions for, but you know, we need better documentation, whatever. Anyways, basically tell the, the attitude of tell it to me straight so that I can be better and I'll tell it to you straight so that you can be better. And it's not because I think that you're failing or you're bad or anything like that. It's that we all make mistakes or we all can improve all the time. And so I'll help you do that. And you help me do that. And it can be kind of rough for people who aren't used to it. Yeah. As I uh, mentioned before, I, I was selling, hosting at Pagely for a few years, 2017 into 2020. And uh, I actually was, I used to sell hosting back when cPanel was first quote unquote invented. I worked at a local ISP many, many years ago and I sold from there. What have you learned about the space that you didn't either see coming or anticipate that kind of thing? What What's really different about the hosting space now that you're now, now that you're in it i could tell you plenty of war stories from my side <laughs> but i'd like to hear maybe something from your side that you just didn't really expect in the hosting space i didn't expect well established hosting companies to continue to innovate in a in a smart way i know that sounds demeaning like who am i to say what's smart or not but i think that it's very easy if you're big and established to stick with what you're doing and because it's it's just it's creating cash right and the market i I do think that the market is shifting towards a more modern approach to wordpress and there's going to be increasing demand but it's still in in its infancy so if you you're a well-established hosting company you can totally just keep doing what you're doing and you'll just keep breaking in the in the money it's a cash machine and despite that there are some that continue to innovate and I give them a lot of credit for that. I, I think that's good. They're doing right by their users. And if when competitors get lazy, it can make everyone lazy. And so by with the continued innovation across the board from more conventional hosting companies and then like to companies like that means, first of all, it's better for users because that means that they have like truly good options. Because not every approach is good for is right for everyone, but it also means that we all are con- consistently trying to do better because they're doing better. I really didn't expect that. The hosting industry to me always appeared to be like a very kind of fat and lazy industry, and some of the companies are they really are, but but some of them aren't. And anyways, that that's something I didn't ex- didn't really expect. When we chatted in our pre-interview, you said that Stratic is a is is a platform that just so happens to host websites, or at least I might yeah. be paraphrasing there, but that's the note that I took. I feel yeah. that that hosting companies, you know, when, when we start to look at the big picture, like you mentioned, man, WordPress is a big space. And there's a lot of people still in 2021, maybe sleeping on the fact that there's a lot here. I feel like hosting companies are in a position to create a platform to shift the way a user experiences WordPress. Is, is that a fair statement? Is that something that you think of? or And do you see your competitors thinking, okay, we're all going to make WordPress experience slightly different for the end user to the way that we want to match up with our brands? Is that fair? And do you see that? 
I, in some ways, am a WordPress purist, which may sound weird considering what we do, which is that we say WordPress is great as long as there's no WordPress on the site that you're visiting. <laughs> I love WordPress. <laughs> I hate WordPress. Yeah, exactly. And so I, but one of our, you know, we have some guiding principles on Stratic in terms of how we build things. One of them is we will never, ever adjust a site like the original WordPress site, which we do also happen to host. And that's why I say that we will never adjust it in a way that the user can't hop off of Stratic at any time and then put their site somewhere else. It will always be WordPress in its original form so that it can be hosted anywhere. I think that it's important for the industry that we stick with WordPress in its original format as much as possible Companies can, hosting companies, I guess, could do things around it. So like, for example, at Stratic, we have a customer dashboard, which at the moment does some pretty like straightforward kind of basic things for our users, but eventually it could provide a lot more value outside of the WordPress site in terms of managing it. The tooling around WordPress deployment, staging sites, you know, automating different types of tasks that can bring a lot of value to users, but I really think it needs to stick within the WordPress infrastructure and structure. I think a lot of folks, when they, when they, especially agencies, when they go to build a website for a customer or they have, they're doing a quote, let's say, and they're like putting together a price for building out a website, a lot of people f- fall short and they're, they're pricing it for the now. Like they're thinking, well, this customer wants this website now. It's this person that I'm talking to who's going to be the one building the website when if you're doing it for a business, they're, they're making this investment. They're looking at WordPress and they're saying, we, we're going to stick with this CMS probably for at least five years until the budget comes up again. Right. You know, and it's, right. it's and these people might churn out of the business. So this is a solution that far exceeds just the building a website for this person. And it has to be done in six months. It's like six months, but also five years from now. And I think a lot totally. of people pick WordPress because of that, you know, because yeah, I was going to, yeah, I was going to say, actually, the reason that I, I believe so strongly in sticking with WordPress in its origins is because it future-proofs WordPress. Mm, And that's always why I liked it in my agency. And that's why I like it until now, because you start off with a WordPress site, you can then change the theme, you can move hosting providers, you can do a, a business can totally develop around WordPress. But as long as you're not modifying WordPress too much, it's future proof. You keep updating the core as like, along with everyone else, you have the same functionality, you have the same user experience. So the marketing team today is run by Jim and tomorrow's run by Mary. That's fine. Everyone gets it. So it's a, it's a way of seeing it, not just as for today, but also future-proofing it um, for tomorrow. Convert your WordPress site to static in one click. Experience the security and speed of headless WordPress hosting only at stratic.com. That's stratic, two T's, S-T-R-A-T-T-I-C.com. Miriam, where else can folks go to say thanks? You can find me on Twitter at Miriam Schwab. LinkedIn, feel free to connect. Facebook, I'm also there. I think I have DMs open on Twitter, so you can DM me there. That's probably the easiest way to, to message me, or you can just at me on Twitter. Anyways, Miriam at stratic.com. You can also email me, so feel free to reach out if you want to. That's awesome. And, and if the, if somebody is in that 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 mode, that phase of you know looking to, to raise some capital, they can reach out to you and, and ask for some advice, right? Yeah, definitely. A Stratic fund coming soon, maybe? <laughs> All right, we, we'll oh just tease it here. It might. <laughs> first step, first, first, first step, 
build successful startup. Second step, yeah. maybe yeah. other stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Everyone else, matreport.com, matreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. And we'll see you in the next episode.